0: Welcome back to part two of our conversation with designated drinker, Professor David Kyle Johnson, the author of The Myths That Stole Christmas. So if you missed part one, you need to go back, go back and belly up to that bar and give it a listen first. We promise we will save a seat right here for you. So in part one, you shared a little bit about your book, a whole lot about Santa and uh, blew Gina's mind, literally blew Gina's mind. Um. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) we'll pick up the pieces later, Um, but you know what I'd really love to do now is, if we can, can we jump right right into the book and talk about the seven misconceptions, maybe a high level, let us kind of understand what each one of those, I know you wrote, if Correct me if I'm wrong. I know you will. That each chapter is uh, represents one of those miscon of those yeah. seven misconceptions. Correct. That's right. So give our listeners listeners an idea, like a high level, a little bit about your book and how you got there.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll talk about the seven myths in a minute. Then I guess I'll tell you how I got there. Uh, I got there by um, I just became curious about the Christmas, the history of Christmas, and I read a book by an author I do not recall. It was self published called The Heathen's Guide to Christmas. Um, and, but it was self-published. And so it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. I learned some interesting things there, but I wasn't sure how accurate it was because it was self-published, right? So I w- basically went on a fact-checking m- mission Um uh, before I think Snopes even existed, right? Like I went on this fact-checking mission to figure out what the real history of Christmas was, and so I read a whole bunch of books on this. Kind of became obsessed with it, as I tend to do with things. Um,
0: <laughs> we would have never noticed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it was a classic Kings um, that was that was newly created called liberal arts seminar that was themed, where you could pick a, a reading theme and read a bunch of articles and books and stuff on a particular theme. It was supposed to be a critical thinking, critical reading class for kids, and I was I kept talking about this at lunch with my professor friend. Right. And one of them who was in charge of this said, you really ought to do a course on Christmas and, and have them read all these things that you're reading and stuff. So I developed that. And then doing that over time eventually, you know, led to me writing this book so I could use it in this class. Uh, and now I don't teach the class anymore because liberal arts seminar changed and that's the whole other thing. Um, but, you know, now I have all this all, all this research that I, that I put into the book and the, and the book, of course, you know, still exists. Um, and so that's kind of where the book came from. Um And then, uh, and so the way I approached it when I wrote the book was like, you know, the one thing I noticed that the class did for students was it um, it, it debunked their misconceptions, right? That they had a certain idea about what Christmas was, where the traditions came from, uh, what it was about, um, and, you know, studying the history of it just kind of undoes all of that, right? And so I identified essentially seven myths that I thought were very common in my students' Um, That, you know, taking the course undid and then kind of dedicated a chapter to each one of those myths. And so the seven myths, I'm going off my memory here, see if I can do it. The seven myths are, and so each chapter is, this is the title of the chapter, but the point of the chapter is that, that the thing I'm about to say is false right? Yep. So, so myth number one is Jesus is the reason for the season. This is the <laughs> idea that, that Christmas is originally a Christian holiday invented by Christians and, and, and is mainly a, a religious Christian holiday. Um, all of those things are, are false. And so I, I, I kind of talk about the, the early history of the, of the, of the holiday in the first chapter. Um, the second myth is that there's a war on Christmas um, that, you know, in modern day, there's this effort uh, to undo the holiday and make people not celebrate it anymore and et cetera, et cetera. And so I debunk that idea that there's a war on Christmas. Um, The third uh, myth is that our Christmas traditions are old fashioned, so we, you know, think about Santa Claus and, you know, much of the things of Christmas trees and evergreens and lights in the window and, and all that kind of stuff. They, oh, yeah, we've been doing this for thousands of years and buying gifts for kids and that kind of stuff. And I go through that kind of more re- recent, you know, 200 years old uh, history of Christmas. And, and we realize that most of the things that we think of as old fashioned traditions today are recent inventions at most about 200 years old. Um so, like even giving gifts to kids, giving gifts to kids, that's only about 200 years old. Um, I'd like
2: to unadopt that one immediately. <laughs> no,
1: do it. Do it. It's not that old. You could totally undo it. And you will be actually celebrating uh, Christmas in a much more traditional way if you don't give gifts to kids. Um, so, the, uh, and this is related actually to the fourth myth the fourth myth is that Christmas spending is good for the economy. Um, I argue in detail, uh, in the, in chapter four, that it's actually not very good for the economy in multiple ways. Uh, and that we could most certainly be spending our money, uh, in ways that are much more beneficial to the economy. Uh, if we didn't, if we gave up our kind of Christmas spending and spent that money, uh, in a different way, either throughout the year or even spend it differently at Christmas time. Um, myth number 5 is five. that santa claus is saint nicholas right we talked about that last uh, last yeah. part last time right so i go over that in that in detail myth number 6 is that the santa claus lie is harmless Um, of course people, uh, you know, parents will lie and trick their children into believing that Santa Claus is literally real. I argue against that. (laughs) I argue against that in that chapter and say that it's, if you want to be, not that you're a bad parent, if you do it, but if you want to be the best parent you can be, you probably ought to give up that lie. Um, not to say that you should give up Santa Claus, not to say that you can't pretend that Santa Claus is real with your kids and all that kind of stuff, but stop tricking them into literally believing uh, that it's true. And certainly once they figure it out, trying to trick them to continue to believe, even though they sort of figured it out. Um, I argue against that that practice, and then myth number seven is simply that Christmas can't change. People think it's this juggernaut that's always been the same and it always will be, and so there's nothing we can do about the fact that Christmas, you know, kind of harms us in multiple ways. Uh, nope, it it always has changed. It's been a continual state of flux. It's been celebrated in different ways, um, you know, over the years, and we can and it will continue to change. The only question is, will it continue to change for the better or the worse? And so I argue for it, you know, ways to. That I essentially change it for the better.
2: That's great. You know what's going to change me for the better, Gina? I, I'm going to pour alcohol down my throat. I'm going <laughs> to skip the cocktail today. <laughs> like literally, I can't even... Kyle, my mind is blown today.
1: That's what the book is supposed to do.
2: But I will tell you this, I'm listening to... And, and if you're listening you need to go back to episode one, because he talks about the Christmas trees in your house. And all I keep thinking of is I live in a stone house because I, I live like right over the um, Maryland, Pennsylvania border in Middletown. Mm-hmm. And I and I, and I I live in an old, um, one of the founders' homes here. So he was a Koblenz German, right? And I'm thinking in the room that used to be the kitchen, would they have had a Christmas tree? So the whole time you're like talking about this, I'm thinking – would it have gone on fire? Well, the house is made of stone. It probably would have survived.
1: <laughs> it, it could have, right? They, they normally put those trees in the parlor. So it wouldn't have been in, yeah. the, in the kitchen. They would have put them in the parlor. The parlor was a room that children generally weren't allowed in. And this would be like the one day of year they were allowed in would be Christmas or if they're doing St. Nicholas, yeah. you know. Um, and they would put the tree there. Um, and then, of course, if it caught fire, they could just throw it out. Um, but that's usually where it was placed. And it, if they had it, it would have been a small tree, like the top of a fir tree that would be set on top of a table rather than yeah. a full grown one that was sitting on the floor. Um, but that's what—that's um, where it would have been if it, was, if it was in that house, which if they were German... They probably had one, uh, if we're talking like 1800s, they probably had one.
2: You know, it's funny because you talk about the, the, the tradition of the German Christmas, right? And like my family is all Italian, so we believe in the La Bafana, so the mm-hmm. Christmas witch comes. Mm-hmm. And and like that's real in Italy still. So you would yep. have like, and you would give chocolates mm-hmm. or, ca- or or candies.
1: Right. That's kind of their version of Krampus, right?
2: Yep. But it's so funny because I'm thinking like my father would always be like, oh, the Bafana is going to come for you. But, like, we, my father was from Italy. So it was kind of like, you know, like what we believed. And then you're saying all this. And I'm like, I'm like, just terrorizing my children. And my husband has an app on his phone for Krampus where, like, he'll be like, he'll be like, oh, did you, what, what, you want me to call Krampus? I'm like, no, don't call him. <laughs> so we're like the worst. Like, we're like just feeding right into it. We're like, we're going to call Krampus. She better be good. The Italian witch is coming for you. We're, like, we're giving them all of it. They're going to have a heart.
1: Kids <laughs> just messing with their hunts. Well, and that's one of the things anyway. is that Christmas is um, the origins of Christmas and the origins of Halloween are a little bit related. And some of those kind of you know horrid, horrible, scary kind of things uh, do make their way uh, you know into Christmas right, that way, right? And and yeah. you can you can actually hear this. Um, th- there's a, you can you can hear a faint, a very faint uh, image of this or, 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 or a, a idea of this in um, a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens right yeah. that um, when st Nicholas would show up with krampus you would hear the chains or if krampus was coming you would hear the change chains from a you know from a you know from a long way away and that was this kind of portent uh, portents of scariness right in a christmas carol when scrooge is in his house and he's about to be visited by and the ghost chains. of jacob marley he hears chains right and then in addition krampus has bells so so like I, I, all I, 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 Usually very, very large cowbells. Bells Nickel has this too. He has bells on him as well. And when Jacob, Jacob Marley is, is, is showing up, you not only hear the chains, but the bell above his door rings. And so there's that little bit. Yeah. And notice that, you know, the most famous Christmas story of all is a Christmas carol. And what is it? It's a ghost story. Right? Through and yeah. through. It's a ghost yeah. story, right?
2: All
0: right. I'm gonna become Krumpus any minute now. <laughs> all right, I'm we're making a drink. Krumpus. We're making
2: a drink. Sorry. I'm feeling okay. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna make um, a hot drink today. You know, and you know, you might be having entertaining for the holidays, and you know, you're not gonna go out. A lot of people aren't gonna go out and buy, you know, a brand new see through um, hot cups or whatever. But what I love is like repurposing other things. And like, one thing I find really fun about like the holidays is like, you know, making it look, you know, cute and like what's different. So, like, I love to use like ball jars, like these squat ones, because you can hold a warm drink from the top and it doesn't burn your hands and then like you could tie a bow on it or do you know something cute or whatever you want to do um one thing just don't do don't decorate your glasses that you're gonna be drinking out of with mistletoe it is poisonous (laughs) so we're gonna do a non-alcoholic version of this or if you're gonna do an alcoholic you know either or at this point you would do um you'd add about one ounce of your favorite bourbon or rum something dark something spicy Um, I'm going to use a little American, good old American maker's mark, put about an ounce in there. When you're making hot drinks, you don't need to make them too, um, over the top, uh, alcoholic. You don't need two and three ounces of booze in them, um, because the alcohol, when it's warmed like that hits you very quickly. So one ounce is more than enough, right? So we're going to pour in there our, um, chai chocolate, uh, drink and what i like about the recipe if you use the water and you um you can use like an almond you can use almond milk uh whipped cream to garnish it like it's so great because you might have a vegan friend or vegetarian friends that don't eat you know cheese or you know whatever and you could keep it um a little bit uh, you know with, with less heavy with all the actual cream and start using some of the vegan stuff. So I'm going to put this on the side here. And then um, just for fun and, like, you know, however you like to do it, um, you can put in a little, uh, you know, cinnamon stick or something, make it, you know, a little bit more cuter. But it's honestly delicious because the chai and chocolate uh, together is, like, super delicious. And, like, I love it. And I realize that chai means tea. We all get it. <laughs> but chai has become a flavor. In the world, for some reason, and literally, it is because it has garam masala in it, and garam masala is made up of you know five different spices, primarily um, cinnamon, cardamom, um, and different and those spice flavors. So, uh, this is my drink for you, Kyle. So, cheers, Louise. What do you think? You ready? I'm almost there. I'm right behind you, Mama.
0: I am chopping up a little bit of chocolate to put on Ooh, top. See? and i have a really pretty little really pretty little um
2: teacup look at this oh my gosh that's beautiful thank you see that's what i mean like you make it your own teacups whatever you want i just like in like you know tradition of being a bartender and stuff you know see through see what you can drink what you're drinking is like always my like my presentation but uh yeah i love it and you can also you know honestly this drink can also be served cold so if you're someplace you know, in a hotter climate, like, you know, down south, you don't have to make this hot. It is delicious. Who's that remind you of? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God, Gina, this drink is so good. This is like, I hate to say it, it's like Christmas in a glass.
2: It is good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Did you ever mm. think that steeping, um, steeping tea and hot chocolate would work so lovely together? They really do. And you can also use, um, you know, like if you like um, like a little bit more um, aromatics, you can use like a nice Earl Grey or something really deep like that would work really well. But you have to use like the deeper flavors. That's why this fake chai flavor is, um, you know, it used to be called Marsala tea and it changed. Somewhere along huh. the way it became chai tea. Do you know when that happened, Kyle? I feel like you did for some reason. I, have,
1: I do not know. I do not know. I, I, you're, um, I learned from you that chai means tea. I just just now, a while ago. Um, but I want to make. I want to use that point, that true God. fact, to make a point here in just a minute.
0: Before you do that, I gotta make Gina do one more thing, and she's gotta tell us where are we gonna go to get this cocktail recipe, Gina.
2: You're gonna go to designatedjigger.show for the tips, tricks. How to also follow us on Instagram so you can see the um, trick of how to make this syrup and cook it um, so you don't get any um, syrup, this space so that you can keep it for longer in your refrigerator. Yep. And you can do that on Instagram. Yes. You can follow us at desneyadrinker.com. Um, Designated Drinker, not that show, just Designated Drinker at Instagram. Jeez, hello. Desk Drinker. Um, Um, I'm sorry, all my uh, my Christmas uh, hopes and fantasies have now just been flushed out of the toilet, so now all I have left is Maker's (laughs) Mark and chocolate.
0: (laughs) Now I know my truth. so the other thing, just so our listeners know, you can just scroll down um, in our episode notes, and you will have a link to the to the website, which is show. Absolutely. And the other thing is, we're going to make sure there's a link um, to Kyle's book. Um, it's the myths that stole Christmas: seven misconceptions that hijacked the holiday and how we can take it back. Um, so it's a really great read. I have it a, a copy is it
1: right queer? here.
2: Christmas present do you think? Like it this is. is great. It fits
1: perfectly in your stocking.
2: I feel like it's just like one of those things, especially if you have to do um, you know, like a, a, a gift swap or something like that with people. Like it's very Damn. unexpected. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. the, yep, yep. I think that's very, very cool. I feel like I'm gonna be giving that and be like, okay. And then I'm be like, that's what yeah. you give at Christmas. I'm like, yes. You know what they could do is they could get a
0: copy of this book, download um, the recipe that you made, and they can sip the cocktail that you you, um, presented, Gina, and uh, read a
1: a, a real true holiday read. Mm Mm-hmm. The so, new holiday. Yeah, it's rate. not. I'm not overt about that. That that kind of marketing as a little book by uh, I believe Wad Fogel called um, which is I partly borrow from that book for my fourth chapter on why uh, Christmas spending is not good for the economy. But it is literally like this big. It, it is literally made to fit inside a stocking. Oh, that's awesome. Um, the book itself, right? So it's about yay thick, and then it's about yay big, um, and you give it, you drop it in people's stockings, and it's like, yeah, this is why I didn't buy a Christmas gift because <laughs> Christmas, you know, Christmas spending's not great, that great for the economy. Um so um it's 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 not as overt as that but that's another good one. And Kyle
0: um, gets invited to nobody's christmas party anymore. No.
1: <laughs> that is not true.
2: I just kidding. Kyle the entertainment.
1: Yeah, if that was true, it would be because I wouldn't shut up about Christmas when I was there, right? Yeah. I'd be that annoying person that'd be like, Well, did you know? Did you know? Did you know? And I don't do that at Christmas. So you know
0: party. that would be really great. Like Kyle's book, a little thing of whatever, like your favorite spirit, the recipe, and then the other the other little book you mentioned, that'd be a perfect Christmas gift.
1: That'd be a perfect little gift, yeah, absolutely. I
2: wanna yeah. know what Kyle was gonna talk about chai about. Tell me about the chai. Yes. Okay.
1: So this this actually leads into the history of Christmas. So are you guys ready to talk about what? the history of Christmas? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, all right, so the so here's here's the point I wanted to make to use to use this, and this will lead into to the description, all right. Some people think you don't need to study the the, the history of Christmas because you know where Christmas came from. It's right there in the name Christmas, Christ, Christ Mass. It's Christ. It's Christ. It all comes from Christianity. It's a completely Christian holiday because it has the name Christ right there, right? so you don't <laughs> you don't need to know the history. The history is essentially contained in the word, right? And that's not true. Uh, and the reason it's not true is for the same reason that today, Chai does not mean tea, right? It literally translates as tea, but given the way that we use the word today, chai has taken on a new meaning and indicates a particular kind of tea. It indicates a particular sure. kind of flavor. Yep. Right? Am, am, I, am I tracking? Are you tracking yep. with me here? Yeah. Yep. Right? And so it's even though chai literally translates as tea, that's not what it means today because that's not how we use the word. Sure. Right? Yep. The same is true as Christmas. Christmas does not mean it's Christ Mass, it's Christ's holiday, because that's not how we use the term. When we talk about Christmas, we're not talking about anything particularly religious. When we think about Christmas, we think about Santa Claus, we think about presents, we think about snow, we think about Rudolph, we think about, uh, you know, I mean, the most famous Christmas story, as I mentioned, is a Christmas carol. The most famous Christmas song, it's either Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or it's I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. Right. um all of uh all of the things that we think about Christmas are secular the first things that we think about are secular and it, you have to go way down the bestsellers list for a Christmas song to be religious right in order for it to kind of you know sure. kind of make that cut um and so um this leads us to, this leads us to like the actual real history of Christmas, right? So you can't argue that, well, Christmas is obviously a Christian holiday because it has the word Christ in it, any more than you could argue that, well, Sunday is for worshiping the sun because it has the word sun in it, right? Which, by the way, that is why the, the the name Sunday, it refers to the sun. It really used to be for sun worship. That's why, it that's where the name comes from, is it's from sun worship, right? Saturday was Saturn's was day. yeah. Yep. Right, M- Monday was 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 for worshiping the moon. Yeah. Right, Wednesday was actually Odin's day, because um, that that's one of the other kind of names for Odin was had had to draw, derived from that kind of W E D that that Wednesday um, uh, 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 word. Uh, Thursday was Thor's day. All right, so we to find the origin of Christmas, we have to go back to that uh, that that th- those traditions that we talked about before about bringing back the spring right? And what life was like in ancient times when winter would set in. 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years ago, we had agricultural societies, right? They They were afraid of the winter. But one of the things that they did to prepare for the winter was feast. Because late November, December, late December, that time of year was kind of the only time of year where A, their work was done for the previous year. The harvest was in right? B, they didn't have to do any work until next spring when they started to plant, right? And C, this was the only time of year that they had that kind of plentiful food and especially fresh meat because before the winter they would cull the herds so, you know, can downsize them so that they would better survive. Um, And so this is the only time they would have that had fresh meat. So they have no work to do. They have tons of extra food, They need to fatten up for the winter so that they'll survive a little bit better. So what are you going to do but party, right? And so this time of year was this giant feasting and, of course, with parties, drinking time, right? Where you would have these these huge celebrations with tons of drinking. And, of course, what goes with lots of drinking? Lots of sex.
2: (laughs) Summer, babies.
1: And so...
0: (laughs) Sounds like my kind of time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) it, It... it would have been right like i mean it is it is, it is an orgy of 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 of, of like metaphorical orgy <laughs> of of food and drink but literal orgy of sex people are i mean and there's cross dressing there's all kinds of crazy things that go on in this time okay
0: that sounds that sounds like any day at Gina's house i mean come on
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um coupled with this is there's some older, some other traditions that are kind of related to the wild man because they have to do with bringing spring back and that kind of stuff. But it, it's a little bit different. Um, th- there's there's Tagmuk if I'm remembering to, uh, remembering the the name of that right. This this leads to the Saturnalia and that kind of stuff. There's a couple of other uh, holiday traditions, but these earlier ones have to do with. Um, what they thought needed to happen to bring the spring back is that like the gods had to have help fighting off the forces of chaos that were bringing on winter and you have to defeat them to bring the spring back. And so it was thought that the King would need to descend into the underworld to help the gods fight off the, you know, the, 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 forces of chaos. Um, But of course, how do you get to the underworld? You got to (laughs) die. Right. Uh, And, and, and Kings didn't, you know, didn't very much like being killed right to do this and so what they would do is they would appoint like a prisoner or a peasant or something as king for a day oh. and that that day they'd be king and they'd get everything all the food and drink and women or whatever they would want and then they'd be killed at the end of the day so they could descend into the underworld and help the forces of uh, help the gods fight off the forces so of
0: Gina I think this could be a tradition that we could adopt and we could just put our husbands up for that role <laughs> They'll just think, they won't even know. It'll be like sheep to the slaughter, right? Literally. They wouldn't even know. we are like, look, you get all these great things. You could be, you could be the king for the day. <laughs> for the day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you, you have greater calling. See, I think that's something maybe if we're adopting and adapting, maybe this is one that we grab mm-hmm. a hold on to.
1: <laughs> well, in a certain kind of way, this tradition still does exist. Um, and I'll, I'll, t- I'll kind of get to that as we go. Um, so it's this social inversion practice all right where like you know, the king is lowly and the peasant is high for a day yes right So there's this the social inversion yep. that happens right This continues on and uh, eventually appears in Saturnalia. So Saturnalia is like a Roman Greek and mainly Roman, Uh, uh, a holiday, not holiday, like it's a a harvest feast. Catch it Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, In in the same kind of vein. And it was, you know, put on by the, commanded by the God Saturn. And part of the commands was that there would be this social inversion that essentially uh, state, uh, stasis in society didn't matter at Saturnalia. And so everybody sat at the same table and everybody would get access to the same food and drinks and all that that kind of stuff. So there's this social inversion that happens in Saturnalia as well. All right. Um, And so, Um, But that's also, that's all part of the the feasting and the drinking and all that kind of stuff that goes on there, okay? So, Saturnalia uh, also occurs around the same time as the Romans were celebrating uh, the birthday of their god of choice, which was Sol Invictus. Sol Invictus, as you might guess, Sol, solar, Is the sun god? Yes. Right, and the reason that Sol Invictus's birthday was thought to be around this time is because this is when the days start getting longer. Right, they they go shorter, but they get to the shortest around the December twenty first, twenty second, and they start to get longer after that. And so you might guess now, right? What 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 is the day that essentially the days are becoming noticeably longer than they were before? December twenty fifth. Sure. And so December 25th was the day that the Romans celebrated the return, the rebirth of their sun god, okay? Um, And this was, I mean, this this was the god of the Roman Empire for a very long time. This was certainly the god that all the Roman soldiers and that kind of stuff worshipped, all right? Well, what happens is, you know, Christianity comes along. They do not celebrate birthdays. They certainly do not celebrate Christ's birthday. Celebrating birthdays is the kind of thing that pagans do and that Roman emperors do because they think they're so grandiose. Um, you don't celebrate birthdays. If you celebrate anything, you would celebrate a death day. This is why all the saints' days are on the day of their death oh, rather than their birth. interesting. Really? Right? Um, but they did not celebrate birthdays. Okay. So they did not celebrate. This is the, to make the point that for the first... 300 plus years of Christianity, Christians did not celebrate the birth of Christ. This is not something that you would do. That would be a pagan practice. They did not do it. Okay. All right. But then what happens is around early 300s, 323, I think, Constantine converts. Oh, yes. He converts to Christianity, yep. right? And the story goes, and it may be partly apocryphal, but he has a dream where his soldiers put a Cairo on their shield and they win the battle. So in the real world, he has them do this. They win the battle that day. Um, notice that this is like I'm a, very much a warrior god, right? God is protecting us in battle. So God's even even violent even within Christianity here. But he decides, oh well, God, you know, the, the God of Christianity actually protected us, so I better convert. So he converts. But he doesn't just automatically take the whole Roman Empire with him, right? Um, Things did not work that way back then or ever have worked that way, right? Of course not, Uh, And so like all the Roman soldiers, they're still worshiping soul. All of the Roman Empire is still worshiping soul. And so when December 25th comes around, even though Constantine has converted and is Christian and says, we are the holy Christian Roman Empire now, everybody's celebrating soul's birthday on Ah. December 25th. Sure. Right, And everyone's still doing the big Saturnalia feast and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so what is an emperor to do whenever he's Christian and he spoke, his empire is supposed to be Christian, but everybody's celebrating pagan holidays, Yeah. right? Well, what you do is you declare that Jesus was actually born on December 25th. And so what everyone's actually celebrating is the birth of Jesus. That's what's mm-hmm. really going on.
0: It, it, again, it's, it's the, the beauty of propaganda, assimilation. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a human, human trait.
2: That's
1: crazy. It is. And it it it's it's, it it's part of that same adopt and adapt method, right? It's yep. the same adopt and adapt, adopt and adapt, right? Yep. We're just going to take what is, what they're already celebrating, soul's birthday on December 25th. We're just going to say that's Jesus's birthday and that's what they're celebrating. The people that are doing it right now know that that's not true, but as long as they still get the party, they don't care. But a few generations on... People will forget the original meaning and they'll think that that's what they're actually celebrating. And so after, you know, a few hundred years, that's what people think they're celebrating. The celebrations continue in much the same way they did before. It's just kind of done with a different name.
2: Kyle, I I believe the lies. So here's, here's,
0: I believe the lies too. And so here's what I think we do, Gina. I think Go. we start to adopt and adapt some of the old traditions and bring them back. We'll have orgies on Christmas. We'll Fuck, sacrifice yes. a guy yes, at, the, at, the, yes. at the end. One man yep. will be the yep. king. We'll sacrifice him, and we yep. will drink until we fall down. Yeah. So I, I just,
2: picked <laughs> just pick, and choose all of the things we want.
0: Yeah, Perfect. we're just gonna pick and choose, yep. just and then just and then we, we then what we do is we just reset the cycle again so that we start to adapt and adopt only the things that we really like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> all right, Kyle. All right. Here's the deal. Have you ever yep. listened to our show before? Because so we're going to know on this next question. Here we I, go. I have not. I'm Uh-oh. sorry. oh Okay. So, Kyle, we you know, in, in in modern times, I'm just saying like yesterday, people still, um, <laughs> you know, believe in like spirit animals, right? And everybody else has a spirit animal that they might identify themselves with. And all of your research of, you know, Uh, German um, traditions of Christmas, you might come across that the Germans identify themselves usually with a black eagle because, you know, they're the stealthy and they're very intelligent, right? So it's on, even on the German flag. If you can identify yourself by one spirit ingredient, whether it would be in cooking or food, what ingredient defines you and why?
1: Oh, so what ingredient? I'm looking for a spirit animal. I'm I'm looking for a spirit
2: ingredient, so it could be, I don't know, garlic, I don't know, whatever you like. And what first comes to mind? First go. comes to mind is the best answer.
1: The first thing that comes to mind is a jalapeno. Great. Why? And the, and the reason why is because um, it both tastes good, but it also hurts. Yes. Right. And this is how you were describing our conversation earlier, right? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, this is great and my entire world is shattered. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's like, oh, it's so cool to learn that thing. And you know, that, that that's where it came from. And now I also feel really stupid for doing that thing. Like, like it it, it kind of has both elements of yeah, it tastes really good, but it also hurts a little bit. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, so yeah. It's so true.
0: It's great. And you know, it can hurt going in and going out. <laughs>
1: Yes, they no, can't just like just like what just like what Back we're on doing. On that right?
2: note, cheers, Kyle. <laughs> yes, and I can't talk about Christmas and butts. Cheers, but I, <laughs> happy <laughs> holidays,
0: everybody. Have a wonderful and safe holiday. Make sure you drink responsibly. Always take that in mind and celebrate and enjoy life. That's at the end of it all. That's Uber. what we're promoting. We are t- we are all about celebrating life and enjoying the things. And to Kyle's point think about what you what you're doing cuz you know critical thinking is important even if it hurts like a jalapeno does <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. go, go right ahead can i one more like so the the social inversion that happens one of the things you might want to add to your holiday or whatever yeah. that still existed throughout the middle ages as giving to the poor as charity oh yeah right we still do that by putting kids on top and that's a recent invention where they're kind of king for a day that's why we give them gifts and all that kind of stuff But gifts charity to the poor and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um, still exists and and exists as as a tradition um, at Christmas time. And so that's one of the ways that you can actually change your tradition to A, make it more traditional, right? That you voluntarily give to charity, that kind of stuff, right? Um, But it also makes it traditional, but it also like, that's the one way that Christmas spending can be good. If we start giving down the social ladder where my $100 is not worth as much to me as somebody who doesn't have as much and that $100 is worth a lot more to them, you could create economic value absolutely. Uh, and that kind of stuff in that way but that social inversion is like that's one of the oldest tr- christmas traditions it dates all the way back to king for a day that's awesome right and it just slowly changes over time and that's one of the ways you can be more traditional awesome
0: that, that is a great way thank you for adding that absolutely um if nothing else people should walk away with that you're 100 right all right guys cheers, cheers.
2: happy holidays happy holidays
0: cheers
1: thanks merry christmas
0: merry christmas okay, The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.